You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Everybody belongs and everybody's welcome. Everybody's part of our family here. We really mean that. And at the same time, we want y'all to grow. We want to grow together. We want to be all that God wants us to be. It sounds almost like the army or something, but really I think um, God kind of in, actually every good marketing technique, every good kind of tagline somehow ties into the gospel. I don't know if you realize that, but every, you know, it's like, oh, what is that? Guess what? God's the originator of it all, okay? And that's where it really comes from. Hey, before we begin on this uh, speak up today, let's pray, okay? Because I really, um, I need it. I know we can all use it. Lord God, today, um, as we are here, there are many reasons why not to be for many of us. There's so many concerns. um, There's so much going on. We're going to lay all that before you, Lord, and just we ask you to speak to us your gospel word, that we hear the word of Jesus, who he is, what he's about, and that you then now use us to speak that word, speaking love, speaking truth into the lives of each other, that it's life on life, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'd fill this message, this time, this moment with your presence, that you would use us, Lord, in this community to bless and disciple as you so see fit, and that... um, You just bless this whole day and bless the uh, picnic afterwards, Lord, just as a time to celebrate your goodness. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, I realize um, many Christians are very happy, content. They find a lot of satisfaction from their faith in Jesus, a lot of comfort, a lot of refuge, a lot of strength. And yet at the same time, struggle and are reluctant to share their faith with anyone else. Have you ever noticed that? It's good for me. I'm just not so sure I should. I'm afraid to. I'm not. And there's reasons for that, I think. And, there, and our society has kind of set up a barrier between, you know, keeping it private. We have, and you might have seen this bumper sticker around, coexist. You know, don't convert anyone, just coexist. You know, let people figure it out themselves. Now, I kind of understand how we need to be in a pluralistic society to truly understand and care and respect other people's faith, traditions, etc. That's not what I'm talking about here. There is kind of a push beyond that. There are a lot of people who believe that you should never discuss politics or religion. It's just not in, you know, not the way to do things. And I'll tell you, I am tired of the politics. Okay, I understand that. And if we discuss religion like we discuss politics, I would say let's not do it either. Okay? But people go like a step farther. They say churches are at their best when you just let people discover their own spiritual path. And churches are at their worst when they start pushing their one way to see things. It's kind of like either we're hokey, like this picture is here about sharing evangelism. This next slide. You know, I've got a message to share with you, or it's at even more so, it's just intolerant. How can you be that way, right? 
So we almost put up a sign in front of everything. It's the unwritten sign of do not solicit, do not proselytize, do not do anything, no kidding. And that's kind of what our society has done, right? So don't convert anyone. Don't share your faith in such a way that you're pushing it on anyone. Just keep it away from everyone. Now, I'm going to share what the Bible says later on in this message, of course, but I also understand that there are a lot of people in our society and a lot of people in our community that don't have the same um, value, that you know, they don't see the Bible itself as an authority in their lives. And so we do need to get to this, this um, barrier, I think, for us as well as for our society to discuss some of the most important and vital things in our lives. I mean, 83% of the world, by the way, uh, believes in God or is part of a religion. It's not like that it's a small percentage of people. Most people do, the vast majority of people do. So how do you discuss, how do you share, how do you share the truth that you have in Jesus Christ with others in such a way that it actually works, right? In such a way that it might be received, and we're gonna be talking about that. But let's look at this argument, don't convert anyone. It's wrong to promote or push your faith on anyone, okay? We're going to talk about that first. A few years ago, well, quite a few, in 1985, I think it was, <laughs> I read a book um, by um, Bella. Let's see, what's his first name again? It's here somewhere. By Robert Bella, called Habits of the Heart, Okay. Individualism and Commitment in American Life. And in that book, he does a sociological survey of the United States, and he basically says we are in a new era, a new time, and a new culture where what's been pushed and promoted and what's really going on is what he calls expressive individualism. And what by that he means, it's basically, it's my path, it's my direction, I express myself, it's my individual path. And in fact, he relates in this book, one individual in particular, her name was Sheila, and she uh, said the way she discussed, she created her own religion called Sheilaism. That's what she said, because basically that's the, exactly the way we should do it. There are 300 million people in the United States or more, and there are 300 million different faiths these days, and everybody should just explore their own path and do it their own way, and therefore, what's good for me is good for me, and it may not work for you, but don't tell me what to do, how to live, or what to do, and I'm not going to tell you what to do, etc. Expressive individualism. It's the value above all values in our society now. And Robert Bella says basically there's problems with that. Okay? Here's one of the problems with that. You cannot help but try to convince someone else that the way you see things is the right way. Everybody's doing it. And if you are saying, no, you should not, convert or push your ideas on anyone else, guess what you're doing right there? You're pushing your idea on someone else. And you have bought into the religion of the day called expressive individualism, that that's the way it should be. Okay? So the question isn't whether you're going to push your ideas on someone else, it's just which ideas are you trying to push on someone else and how are you, quote, pushing? And we'll talk about that because I think pushing is the wrong way. 
It's just not the right way. It's not the way that the scriptures talk about or the way of our faith. It goes against the grain of what the gospel, which is gospel good news, is all about. It's supposed to be good news, not bad news, not advice, but good news. So let's look at our passage today that we're going to be exploring. It is Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I think from this passage, we're going to get three different things, okay? Three different things that we're going to learn. First, God sends us into mission, okay? Secondly, God makes you the medium, and we'll explain that word. And third, God gives you the message. But first, we're going to look at God sends you into mission. Now, this isn't the only place in the Bible by any means that God talks about mission. In fact, on Thursdays right now at noon on the campus of FGCU, I'm teaching a class called The Mission of God, and it's really looking at the scriptures from Genesis all the way through Revelation. I'm not sure how, you know, we're going to get it all done this semester, but we're trying. And... Um, how God has been on mission from the beginning, and he, he himself, it's his mission that he sends us on. And it's not just the first time. In fact, in the chapter, the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, in chapter 12 already, he picks one individual named Abraham, and he sends him on a mission. He says, I will bless you and make your name great. And then he says, get out of here. <laughs> it's rather amazing. He says, go. He sends him away from the people he knows, etc. He gets sent to a land he hasn't even seen before. And then in the next book of the Bible, Exodus, another person is drawn near to a burning bush named uh, Moses. He says, come near. This is a holy place. But then he says, go. He sends him away radically. In fact, to the place, the last place Moses would want to go back to Egypt Okay, if you think about it. Then we see somebody like Jonah. You've probably heard that story before. There's a lot of jokes made out of Jonah and the whale and all that stuff. Okay, the big fish, whatever way you want to say it. But the point is, God called Jonah and he sent him to the place called Nineveh. And he considered that the home of his enemies. It's fascinating, right? And Isaiah, which... Um, Paul talks about Isaiah here in this passage. In chapter 6, he is brought and called, and then he is sent to his own people who would not listen to him. And then Jesus in the New Testament says in the John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. God has been sending, sending, sending. And what you notice in the scriptures is this, this centripetal, centrifugal, you know, have you ever heard those two words, maybe from physics? This drawing in and th throwing out, but I wouldn't call it sending out, okay? We'll talk about that in a moment, the difference. But the drawing in, the sending out, when God radically calls you in to be in fellowship with himself, he also sends you out radically for the sake of his ministry. He, without, you're always called in and you're always sent out. You're never just one or the other, Okay? Did you know the Latin word for sent? You know what it is? Missio. Missio. Where we get mission. You are sent. 
you are sent. In this passage, he says that, okay? Now, there is this man named um, Martin Heidegger, okay? And maybe if you've studied philosophy, this guy was kind of a modern philosopher in the 1930s and 40s. And he said uh, what characterized modern life, and I think he got his finger on the pulse of modern life that's still true today. He said it's characterized by this German word, I just love this German word, geworfenheit. <laughs> Sounds like Farfignugan or something, right? Isn't it, the, the German language is so weird with some of the words, you know, geworfenheit, okay? It means thrownness. The fact that he saw the modern world feels like you've just been thrown out of the womb <laughs> and cast upon the world, and you're just in the midst of chaos, and you find yourself, and you have to figure out what you're going to do. And let me tell you, a lot of people, I think, feel like they've just been thrown out into the world, right? And they've got this sense of, and if you believe that that's the way life is, that you're just kind of thrown out there, and now it's like trying to figure out what's going on, boy, tell me, how are you going to live? The first number one thing you're going to do is try to survive. The next thing you're going to say is, okay, I've got that down, now let's try to enjoy. And then finally, maybe you'll get around to saying, I'm here to do something for others, sir. Do you notice? It's not very hopeful. It's not very great. But that's the way a lot of people live. Now, the Bible is saying, no, you're not thrown into the world. You're mark, you are not marked, your life is not marked by thrownness, but by sentness. And it's a huge difference. You have a purpose. You have a mission. You have a direction, and you have a God who is with you all the way along the line. And if you believe you are sent into this world rather than thrown out into it, then all of a sudden, you don't start trying to just survive or simply then to enjoy, but you start knowing, I am sent into this world. I have a mission. I have a purpose. I am here to serve and to give and to contribute and to love, and to build relationships. And while I'm doing that then, I will enjoy. And I will more than survive. I'll thrive. You've been sent. Romans 10 says it this way. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Then he says, how beautiful it is for the feet of those who proclaim good news because you've gone out, you've been sent. Now, again, someone at this point might say, yep, that's my problem with Christianity again. You all think you're on a mission from God, and your mission is to preach at people and to tell them what to believe and what to do, right? Isn't that a bit prideful and a little assuming? I can understand that, but here... Hear me out a minute. I think there's a problem with your problem with Christianity. I think there's a problem with the problem. Okay? There's a name. Um, this is kind of, I know, the back end of it. But this is what um, a man named N.T. Wright, he's a Christian theologian, lives in Great Britain. And he said this about the resurrection because um, the resurrection is 
like the chief doctrine. It's why we are sent, why we believe. As the Father sent me, so I send you, Jesus said after the resurrection. So he writes this, um, Jesus' resurrection is often seen as an immoral doctrine. That is, oh yeah, so you're just throwing that one out there so that you can say, my God trumps your God. My God's greater than your God. My God is bigger than your God. Look at what my God did and your God never did. And so people look at that and go like, well, that's just your way of trumping everyone else because it appears to legitimate Christianity over against all other world religions. And his point would be, well, if it's true, it's true. And if it's not, it's not. And you've got to figure out whether the resurrection is true or not. Okay? Explore that for a while. But he goes on. You know, he goes, um, and the modern worldview that all religions are equally good and no, wait, where are we? Right here. Okay. Christianity over against all other worlds. The doctrine of the resurrection appears, therefore, to be a triumphalistic doctrine. How very undemocratic of God, <laughs> people think, without realizing the idea itself is a local, almost tribal Western Enlightenment view. Well, what he's saying is basically everybody's got a worldview, everybody's looking at things you got to look at your worldview and say, is that the right one to have? The modern worldview is that all religions are basically objectively as good as the next one, and you can't really tell the difference and don't tell anybody. Do you know that comes from you have to believe that? It's not something you can prove. And it comes from a time called the Enlightenment with speakers and philosophers like Immanuel Kant. It's not something that you just came up with. It's the way our society, it's that expressive individualism again. Okay? So if it's narrow to say that one religion is the right one, guess what? It's also narrow to say that one view of religions is the right view. And that's what people still do. You can't get away from pushing your viewpoint. Now, the question is, what's the viewpoint to have? Okay? And if you are saying that it's narrow and we should not try to convert people or bring them over to what we believe and push my values, you're also trying to do the very thing you're saying no one should do. You're pushing your values. So there's a kind of a built-in contradiction with that. Now, can anybody be intolerant when they share their faith? Absolutely. In fact, there, I regret to say I've seen too many instances of that. We get that on the campus of FGCU all the time with these street preacher types that come on with their wonderful signs and their bullhorns and their cameras and everything. And you've probably seen it before. And they just you know, push and yell and point fingers and blame. Um, by the way, I don't think they're really preaching the word of Christ, according to what this passage says. They're just preaching their agenda at that time. And I've also seen it on television and radio and in all sorts of ways where pastors, preachers, others can be manipulative with their version of the faith, etc. So yes, we can be very disrespectful, we can actually be intolerant, and people use it as a superiority kind of complex over others. But that's not something I can validate or justify in the scriptures. Okay? If God were just concerned with people to understand an ideology or an idea or assent to certain historic facts or figures like math or science, then maybe that method would work. 
And maybe that's the right way, but the relationship we have with our God is one of a friendship, a relationship, a father-to-child relationship. It's all about that relationship. And so God didn't send a dictionary or a book or an informative brochure. He sent his son, all of himself personally to this world in the most vulnerable package you can ever imagine as a child, as a baby, to grow up, to just be like us, to be with us. In fact, that was the main name we get again and again is Emmanuel. God is with us. What good news. And so that kind of brings us to the second point. So God sends us on mission, and then he makes us the medium. I don't know if you've heard that word before, the means or the medium. There's a man named Marshall McLuhan. He made a famous line. He once said, the medium is the message. Boom. And by that he meant that how you communicate something gives you the content of that communication. So how you say it is what you say. Okay? So here's an example, probably the best one. Um, by the way, I think it's, you probably understand this, right? To have a deep, meaningful, personal, intimate relationship with someone, you will not do it by just texting them. Okay? It's impossible. That the only communication you have with somebody is by text or email, and you're going to have a deep, abiding relationship. It doesn't work. You've communicated something about that relationship just by the way that you try to communicate that relationship, right? It takes life on life. It takes time with. It takes person to person. Being with someone to have a deep, deep and abiding relationship, right? That's the way it works. Now, you can supplement that kind of relationship with social media, but you can't replace and just have a social media relationship and call it your best friends. It just doesn't work. The medium is the message. And God understands that more than anyone. The medium is the message. Jesus Christ became the medium, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, into this world and became the message of love and grace and mercy to people, the rescuer in the midst of this. This is what the message is from the beginning to the end, that God is with us, that God is for us, that God is not against us, and that God will straighten everything out, and he takes it on himself to do it. And then in this passage it says, he makes us the medium. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You become the means, the medium, of the gospel, of the good news to people. He doesn't use angels. He doesn't use a heavenly bulletin board. He uses people, flesh and blood people. And you might go like, wait a minute, me? I'm the medium, but I'm weak. I'm a mess. I'm broken. I don't have my act together. Join the club, right? You will find there is not one person in the Bible that isn't a mess, that does have their act together. There's not one other than Jesus, other than God himself. He's the only real hero. So you can use all the excuses you want, and I understand it, and you can say, wait a minute, but I'm so weak. How can I, I'm just too weak to do this. Well, then you better talk to St. Paul, who said, it's through my weakness that God's strength is perfected. 
Or you might say, but I'm way too impulsive. I just go off the handle too easily. Talk to Peter, who put his foot in his mouth all the time. Or, hey, I'm way too young. Then share it with Jeremiah. He was a youth when God called him to be a prophet to all of Israel. Or, I I am not a learned person, okay? Talk to Amos, who he said, hey, I'm just a fig picker from Tekoa. (laughs) And yet God used him. Can you imagine? I just picked figs, but God used me. Or, I just can't speak. I just get all tongue-tied. Speak to Moses himself, who said that before God and was used by God in amazing ways. Or, I'm just way too afraid. I'm scared. That's Gideon. He was scared all the time, or, hey, but, you know, it's a man's world. I'm a woman. You can speak to Deborah on that one and see how she led. Or it just seems absolutely impossible what you're telling about. You better talk to the Virgin Mary about impossibilities. (laughs) Or I'm just way too old for all this. Abraham, right? Or I'm a foreigner, Well, let's see, there's Ruth, there's Rahab, there's the Ethiopian eunuch, there's Cornelius, there's, I mean, you can name people after people after people, and yet God used them. In fact, that's who God uses, because you are the best medium for this message. One person who's messed up, broken, who needs healing and rescue, to share that healing and rescue with another, what better way to share it? Who better to share it than that? Okay? He gives us, he sends us out on mission. He makes us the medium. Yes. And I think if you understand your own sinfulness and your own brokenness and your own messed upness, whatever way you want to put it, and just your confusion and over then, it's really hard when you go to someone else to have any superiority and to push anything on them and to be superior to them in any way, but you treat them with respect. And that's what I think Paul and Peter and all of the apostles have said. First Peter says it this way, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is the only passage in all the New Testament that I know of that gives an actual method of how to share your faith. And notice what it says. Always be prepared. First of all, you know, set aside Christ as Lord in your hearts. Make him holy. And always share the hope you have with gentleness and respect. I love um, Martin Buber, this man um, who is a philosopher, etc., and a theologian. He said, we need to have I-thou relationships. That's the one we have with God. It's basically a full person to the person, personal God, who has that relationship with us, treats us as a full person, holistic, life-on-life type relationship. And when we have an I-thou relationship with people, we see them as the whole person. We don't treat them less. We don't treat them as an object. And he contrasts that with I-it relationships, which that's fine to have with objects, with things that you look under the microscope. Um, It's fine to even have that with with the animal world. But to treat somebody as an it 
to objectify them, to stereotype them. That's where all of our racism and other isms come in, our rank isms, our treating people as an it, an object. We objectify, and we have had way too much of our civic dialogue in the United States in the last who knows how long, but especially in the last few months, that is treating people as it's rather than as people. And it goes totally against this passage here and totally against the whole message of the gospel that God so loves the world that he gives all of himself, his whole son, to us. He doesn't treat us as a thing or an object or a commodity. And any time that if I come across that way to anyone, even to those who don't like me or disagree with me, I am doing a disservice to God's word and the message that we have. So we are sent on a mission. You have a purpose. You are the medium. And thirdly, God gives you the message. Paul says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. That is such an important phrase. And I think this is where some of the street preachers I've heard don't, they might use the word Jesus and they might talk about, I don't think they've got the word of Christ. They don't have his mission. And they're not sharing Jesus in a way that actually Jesus comes across. It's just, you didn't do this. You should have done that. Boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. And boy, talk about an I-it relationship. I've seen that happen again and again. And notice, Paul does not say in this passage, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes from hearing the Bible in particular. No, but faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. Introduce people to Jesus. That's who they need. You see, we have good news, not just good advice. We have good news who is a person who has done everything for us. You know, other world religions, and I've studied them, they have a lot of good advice. They have good morals, they have good characters, they have good things to say, they have good ways of living, methods, and that's what most of them are. If you study them, it's like, okay, if you do this, if you follow this method, you will then end up, if you do a good enough job, you will end up in paradise or nirvana or the afterlife in this form or that form. It's always a method, but the gospel, as we call it, is good news, not good advice. It is the news, the story of a rescuer who comes to save us and to change us and transform our lives and fill us with his abundance. For example, I don't know if you realize this, the last words that Buddha said before he died were, strive without ceasing. And the last words that Jesus said before he died were, it is finished. Boy, is that a difference. Means for you and for me, everything's been done. It's complete. Your sins have been totally paid for, atoned for. You are now cleansed. You are forgiven. You are righteous. You are his. You are whole. You are wanted. You are accepted, you are loved, it is all finished. There's nothing more to do. You are saved by that grace, that free gift of God, and it is yours. Hey, so when you find a new restaurant you love, don't you tell people about it? 
When you have a new friend come into your life, don't you share that friend with you, with others? When you see a good movie or read a good book or enjoy a wonderful vacation, don't, you can't help yourself. The early church had the greatest news to share and they became witnesses. They were sent, they were pushed out of Jerusalem into the world on purpose and they knew it and they could not help but share and speak up the good news of Jesus Christ and make a difference in the lives of others and the church exploded. Just blew up and exploded and grew so quickly, historic, historians to this day are still sometimes scratching their heads, how did this happen? I want that to be said of this place in the end is like, how in the world did it happen? And the answer is not going to be, well, they have a good preacher. Pfft, no. Oh, they got the best music. Or they had great programs. But it's because the message that Jesus is alive and for us is so alive and for us that we couldn't do anything but share. We couldn't do it except to share. Okay. We've been sent on mission. We are the medium. We've got the message. Now, maybe, I don't know where you're all at today, but maybe um, this is all new to you. And I hope I haven't come across disrespectful or pushy in one sense other than, wow, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. This is the best thing that's happened to this world. And this is the hope that we have. And this is the Savior we've got. We've got a God who absolutely is in head over heels in love with us. I'm not minding to be pushy on that. Okay? Because, yeah, I needed to be converted. Everybody needs to be converted to understanding what God has done for us in Jesus and how it's free and given fully to us. That's the reality that he says in this passage. And other places in Romans 10, he's saying, today is the day of salvation. You know, today is the acceptable time. If you have not, if, the, if this is just kind of a historical thing that it's like, okay, Jesus, I've heard about you or... Um, you know, these are great concepts, then I understand it's hard to share concepts. It'd be like me trying to share, you know, quantum physics with someone. I'm not real excited about it. Or it'd be hard to share just a historical figure like, you know, I would share George Washington with you. Who cares in one sense, right? But this person is the one who's changed everything and who's given me the history and the future and has promised to always be with me. How can I not but share?